Section 14 of the Algonquin Legends of New England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. The Algonquin Legends of New England, or Myths and Folklore of the Micmac, Passamaquoddy, and Penobscot Tribes by Charles Godfrey Leland. Section 14 Of Glooscap and the Sinful Serpent. Passamaquoddy. Of old time it befell that Glooskap had an enemy, an evil man, a sinful beast, a great sorcerer. And this man, after trying many things, made himself a great serpent, hoping so to slay the master. Of old time Glooskap met a boy whose name was Nemoxwes, the sable. Footnote. Evidently no other than the Martin, or the Abistinuk, of the Micmac mythology and the boy had a flute. Whoever played on it could entice unto him all the animals. And once, when the master was afar, the boy broke the flute, and in his great sorrow he would not return home, but wandered away into the wilderness. Now Glooskap knew in his heart that the flute was broken. He, who is a magician, knows at once of a great evil. And coming home he asked of the grandmother where the boy was, and she could only weep. Then the master said, though I roam forever, yet will I find the boy. So he went forth, and he tracked him in the snow for three days, and on the third night he heard someone singing in the hollow. And it was a magic song. That which the Mateolin sings when he is in dire need and death is near, and making a circle round about the place, Glooskap looked down and saw a wigwam, and heard the voice more distinctly as he drew nearer, and it was the voice of the boy and he was singing a song against all of the snake kind, and he was wandering about the wigwam, seeking a straight stick. Then Glooskap understood all the thing, and how the boy had been enticed into the wilderness by the evil arts of Etosis, the snake, and that the great serpent was in the wigwam, and had sent him out to seek a straight stick. Then Glooskap, singing again softly, bade him get a very crooked one, and told what more to do. So the boy got an exceedingly crooked one, and when he entered, the snake, seeing it, said, Why hast thou got such a bad stick? And the boy, answering, said, Truly, it is very crooked, but that which is crookedest may be made straightest, and I know a charm whereby this can be done, for I will but heat this stick in the fire, and then I will make it quite straight, as you shall see. Now Atosis was very anxious to behold this wonderful thing, and he looked closely, but the boy, as soon as the end of the stick was red-hot, thrust it into his eyes and blinded him and ran forth. Yet the snake followed him, but when he was without the wigwam, he met the master, who slew him out of hand. Of old times this is an end of the story. Footnote. This curious legend is suggestive of Ulysses and the Cyclops. The enemies of Glooskap are all cannibals. The boy is sent out for a straight stick, to serve as a spit to roast him on. It is not impossible that the snake, in some perfect version of the tale, has but a single eye, since many of the evil creatures of red Indian mythology are half stone lengthwise. But the whole story is full of strange hints. It was told me by Toma Josephs at Campobello, New Brunswick. The tale of Glooskap, as told by another Indian, showing how the toad and the porcupine lost their noses. Micmac. 
in the old time. Far before men knew themselves, in the light before the sun, Glooskap and his brother were as yet unborn. They waited for the day to appear. Then they talked together, and the youngest said, Why should I wait? I will go into the world and begin my life at once. Then the elder said, Not so, for this were a great evil. But the younger gave no heed to any wisdom. In his wickedness he broke through his mother's side, he rent the wall. His beginning of life was his mother's death. Now in after years the younger brother would learn in what lay the secret of the elder's death, and Glooskap, being crafty, told the truth and yet lied, for his name was the liar, yet did he never lie for evil or aught to harm. So he told his brother that the blow of a ball, or handful of the down of feathers, would take away his life, and this was true, for it would stun him, but it would not prevent his returning to life. Then Glooskap asked the younger for his own secret, and he, being determined to give the elder no time, answered truly and fearlessly, I can only be slain by the stroke of a cat-tail or a bulrush. And then the younger, having gathered the down of bird's feathers, struck the elder, so that he fell dead, and therein he told the truth. But he soon recovered, and in that was his deceit. Howbeit, it was well for the world and well for him, that he then gathered bulrushes and smote his younger brother, so that he died. But the plant never grew that could harm the master, wherefore he is alive to this day. Who was his mother? The female turtle was his mother. The master was the lord of men and beasts, beasts and men, one as the other, he ruled them all. Great was his army, his tribe was all. In it the great golden eagle was a chief. He married a female caribou. The turtle was Glooskap's uncle. He married a daughter of the golden eagle and caribou. Of all these things there are many and long traditions. Our people tell them in the winter by the fire. The old people know them, the young forget them, and the wisdom which is in them. When the turtle married, the master bade him make a feast, and wished that the banquet should be a mighty one. To do this he gave him great power. He bade him go down to a point of rocks by the sea, where many whales were always to be found. He bade him bring one. He gave him power to do so. But he set a mark, or an appointed space, and bade him not go an inch beyond it. So the turtle went down to the sea. He caught a great whale. He bore it to camp. It seemed to him easy to do this. But like all men, there was in him vain curiosity. The falsehood of disobedience was in him. And to try the master, he went beyond the mark. And as he did this, he lost his magic strength. He became as a man. Even as a common mortal, his nerves weakened, and he fell, crushed flat beneath the weight of the great fish. Then man ran to Glooskap, saying that Turtle was dead. But the master answered, Cut up the whale. He who is now dead will revive. So they cut it up. And when the feast was ready, Turtle came in yawning and stretching out his leg. He cried, how tired I am! Truly I must have overslept myself. Now from this time all men greatly feared Glooskap, for they saw that he was a spirit. It came to pass that the turtle waxed mighty in his own conceit, and thought that he could take Glooskap's place and reign in his stead. So he held a council of all the animals to find out how he could be slain. The lord of men and beasts laughed at this. Little did he care for them. And knowing all that was in their hearts, he put on the shape of an old squaw, 
and went into the council-house, and he sat down by two witches, one was the porcupine, the other the toad, as women they sat there. Of them the master asked humbly how they expected to kill him, and the toad answered savagely, What is that to thee, and what hast thou to do with this thing? Truly, he replied, I meant no harm, and saying this he softly touched the tips of their noses, and rising went his way. But the two witches, looking one at the other, saw presently that their noses were both gone, and they screamed aloud in terror, but their faces were none the less flat, and so it came that the toad and the porcupine both lost their noses, and have none to this day. Glooskap had two dogs. One was Loon, Quimu, the other was Wolf, Malsum. Of old all animals were as men. The master gave them the shapes which they now bear. But the wolf and the loon loved Glooskap so greatly that since he left them they howl and wail. He who hears their cries over the still sound and lonely lake, by the streams where no dwellers are, or afar at night in the forests and hollows, hears them sorrowing for the master. I am indebted for this legend to Mr. Edward Jack of Fredericton, New Brunswick. I give it to you, he writes, just as it came from an Indian's lips, as he sat before the fire in my room this evening, smoking his tobacco mixed with willow bark. He has an endless store of Indian lore. It may be observed that this story gives a far more ingenious reason for Glooskap's telling his brother what would be his bane than appears in the other version, for he tells him what would indeed deprive him of life, but not forever. No one can compare the story of Glooskap with that of Minabozo, Hiawatha, and the like, as given by Schoolcraft or Cusick, and not decide that the latter seems to be a second-hand version of the former. In one we have the root of the bulrush, not the light feathery rush itself. In this story, as in that of Balder and Loki, it is the very apparent harmlessness of the bane which points the incident. Manabozo's father says that a black rock will kill him, but it does not, although he flies before it. Glooskap declares that a handful of down will cause his death. The double entendre of the swoon is entirely wanting in the western tale, as is the apparent harmlessness of the medium of death. In the Edda, the mistletoe, the softest and apparently the least injurious of plants, kills Balder. In the Wabanaki tale, it is a ball of down or a rush. The Chippewas change it, like savages, to a substantial root and a black rock, thereby manifesting an insensibility to the point of the original, which is that the most trifling thing may be the cause of the most terrible events. How Glooskap Changed Certain Saucy Indians into Rattlesnakes Passamaquoddy You know Atosis the snake? Well, the worst of all is rattlesnake. Long time ago the rattlesnakes were saucy Indians. They were very saucy. They had too much face. They could not be put down by much, and they got up for very little. When the great flood was coming, Glooskap told them about it. They said they did not care. He told them the water would come over their heads. They said that would be very wet. He told them to be good and quiet and pray. Then those Indians hurrahed. He said, A great flood is coming. Then they gave three cheers for the great flood. He said, The flood will come and drown you all. Then these Indians hurrahed again. 
and got their rattles made of turtle shells in the old fashion fastened together filled with pebbles and rattled them and had a grand dance afterwards when the white men brought cows and oxen into the country they made rattles of horns yes they had a great dance the rain began to fall but they danced the thunder roared and they shook their rattles and yelled at it then glooskap was angry he did not drown them in the flood however but he changed them into rattlesnakes nowadays when they see a man coming they lift up their heads and move them about that's the way snakes dance and they shake the rattles in their tails just as indians shake their rattles when they dance how do you like such music a passamaquoddy tale related by an old woman to mrs w wallace brown these indians still keep up a very curious snake dance End of section 14